Do you think about making dynasty trades even while watching football games? Are you thinking of player values when you should be thinking of family values? Then you may have a trading problem. Don't worry, you're not alone. I am Dynasty Outhouse and I have a trading problem. And I'm Brian Haar and I also have a trading problem. Join us for the Trade Addicts podcast where you can be with like-minded people and talk about everything in the NFL in the context of dynasty trade values. News and notes, make amends, keep trade buys, all these things we will cover every week. And don't forget Trade Addicts trades. So when you're done listening to this fine DLF family podcast, please tune in to the Trade Addicts podcast. Thank you and enjoy your podcast. Do you have the time to listen to me grind? Take down the film watchers and nerds all at once. When the mask's not adding up, you better check it out. I'm working to the ground. My first question, or the one I threw to you in the DMs when you mentioned the Bears, was how do you go about, because you watch, you primarily more, you watch the game and try to develop an opinion on these players. How do you do that with a rookie quarterback coming in and with a, a more veteran player that we know is good but's never had a great situation, and like Alan Robinson? Is it some kind of mix of how you expect Fields to play based on his college tape? Or, I mean, how do you go about trying to balance where Alan Robinson might finish this year or where to draft him at least. Yeah, that's a, that's a great question, Peter. Um, and, and to me, I think you have to look a little bit perspective wise of what Alan Robinson's had and, and past bears quarterbacks. And then again, what Ruud Fields has done in college. So you want to look hmm. at statistically here and this is sad everybody, but this is true. <laughs> Mit- Mitchell Trubisky statistically has the best quarterback rating of any bears quarterback ever in their history now that's, that's really sad but that, sad. that that's where we're at okay and so like his career quarterback rating is 87.2 now he's had two seasons of 93.5 which was last year surprisingly and 95.4 when they made that playoff run um but then you look at someone like justin herbert justin herbert had a pretty good season and i um you know i think that he was high 90s and so that's on the high end of maybe what Justin Fields could do. Now, one thing that I like is I like a larger sample size. You probably do too for statistics. And so Fields has done it multiple seasons in a major conference. Now, if this is Trey Lance, he hasn't done it in a major conference ever. And he's only done it for one season. So for me, like when I'm trying to project that, I'm like, okay, I feel a little bit safer with Fields because there's two seasons of that. Can he put up? at least what Trubisky and Foles did last year, maybe a little bit better. And then you can start trying to project what Robinson did. I mean, and so Robinson, here's a guy that, I mean, is the entire receiving core. Is he going to get the same <laughs> level of targets? I mean, 151 is quite a few, um, but he had 154 the year before. I mean, I think with what they have, they added basically nobody else. You have to project him to have somewhere between probably 145 and 165 for targets. And to me, that's going to accumulate a lot of stats. And how would those stats change? Here's the one thing with Justin Fields is he is not Trubisky. And Trubisky loves these short passes that are safe. And he's not going to you know, cause issues. Right. Um, and Fields likes to push the ball down the field, which I think leads into a little bit of a Darnell Mooney um, debate as well. Do you think chat. that translates to the NFL? Well, that's one of the things I don't know. Like if a quarterback likes to throw downfield in college, do you think he keeps doing that in the NFL? Because I imagine it's a very different game, right? Uh, from a quarterback perspective, the level of cornerback, level of offensive line and defensive line, not to mention what your coaches want. 
Yeah, no, that, that and that's that scheme, that's personnel, that, that's everything. But to me, I think it's a little bit of um, their preference because we all have these preferences all the time, right? And we can't get away from, again, we were just talking about this, our preference for what types of players we like, what teams <laughs> we like, you know? And that's the same thing, I think, with quarterbacks is, man, sometimes I want to take a shot or sometimes I want to, to do this. And I think that's a little bit of fields. And that's why I like Darnell Mooney more than I did before is because I think he likes to take some shots or he likes to give his guys mm. opportunities down the field. So you think of Robinson's, you know, um, his ADOT or his yards per reception could, uh, you know, increase as well. Yeah. Uh, Donald Mooney seems to be what we hoped Anthony Miller could have been, if you know what I mean. He came in and did what we kind of, some of us at least were hoping Anthony Miller could do. And the fact they didn't add anyone is positive, especially for a fourth round pick like Anthony Miller, who can use lose opportunity that way. Um, Juice, uh, as for Alan Robinson, I guess you should cap that. Yeah, he, he's he's a top 12 wide receiver who needs a situation just to be a little better, and he'll get there. It's like he does everything else he needs to. He needs a team to support that level of production. And the little extra ad that um, players get from teams in order to get those difference-making seasons. And Alan Robinson's kind of always that guy, and so I kind of have him right on that line. Now, we're mm. thinking specifically about 2021. With Dynasty, you have to bake age in there, which I typically don't as much. But, yeah, we're not going to do that. Um, but on the Donald well, Mooney. Well, I, I, have, I have one other thing to add in there. So so Robinson's sure. on his, his franchise tag, and mm-hmm. you know, does Chicago sign him? I think the signing of or the drafting of Justin Fields changes everything in Chicago. For a few reasons. One, that gives hope. That means Al Robinson wants to come back. He initially didn't want to come back, and they tagged him. And he he signed it quick because he saw receivers weren't getting paid. So he's like, oh, I got to sign this quick so I get paid. So, But now that you have Justin Fields, and to me, I think that gives him hope. He's going to be, what, 28, 29, you know, after the season. And I think Chicago has to pay him for a couple reasons. One, they don't have a first-round pick next year. Two, if you draft this young quarterback, you want him to do well, and you take away his best receiver, and you support him less, that's right. that. That's just a terrible way to go about it. So you have to think that he's going to be matched up with Fields, I would say, for another three years at least, maybe four years. And so I think that's helpful for his dynasty value as well. Um, sorry to jump around here, but what like it felt like everyone's opinion on Justin Fields, because I don't really evaluate quarterbacks, especially as rookies, like – it seems to be a special mix of evaluation talents that can get, you know, quarterback right, essentially. And I don't have it, or at least I haven't found it. But from my understanding, he was consensus QB2 and very, very good, like you said, at a major conference for multiple years. But then the closer the draft came, and then after the draft, the opinion on Justin Fields seems to have fallen a little bit. Do you think there's any reason for that outside of what happened in the draft or, um, you know, the prospect of something new like Trey Lance. It's um, not we found something new out about Justin Fields, right? Like no. he wasn't accurate or okay, no, cool. And, and, and honestly, <laughs> like and honestly, like the things that I I had um Zach Wilson too. I had Fields three. So, you know, I it's not like I had him too, but I really like Zach Wilson and I think they were close. Um, I think that the top three, I don't think that Trevor Lawrence is, you know, the goat either. I think that he's a little bit lower than people think. I think that grouping's a lot closer, but when you look at post draft, the stuff that came out in terms of PFF just put out like a, um, uh, a, a, I don't know, some kind of a different type of accuracy rating in terms of, you know, taking away throwaways, et cetera. Right, right. And Fields has had the best se- two season, was well, had the best season ever 
since they started charting in 2014. And then he's had two seasons over like, I don't know, 90 or whatever it is. And no one's had two seasons that high ever. So, you know, that's one thing. And then also you have, um, you know, they talk about how intelligent he is. That scale came out. So there's a lot of things that are positive. Um, you know, who knows what NFL teams found out. We're not in the meeting rooms. That's the other thing. What if he has some kind of an injury issue? He has this epilepsy thing that came out. Is that the issue? Um, maybe he's not a good interviewer. I know leadership was a question mark that came out from, I can't remember who made that report. That's uh, those are all things that make sense after the fact, if you know what I mean, especially as someone mm-hmm. who doesn't think he knows what makes a good quarterback. It's like that will be remembered if he struggles in the NFL. And if he doesn't, we'll forget it because we really yeah. don't know if it's predictive or helpful. Um, mm-hmm. Something I do pay attention to is whether or not they're rushers. And they, he seems to have some level of rushing ability um, in, in college. Is, do you think that's good enough to hold him in, in, into a rushing quarterback in the NFL? Or is there a comparison for the level of rushing you expect for him? Yeah, and I think it does for a couple of reasons. When when you look at, and I'm just going to compare him just for, for help here. Trey Lance, Trey Lance was an offense that did a lot of designed quarterback runs. And, you know, he's got pullers and, you know, he's following like Cam Newton, et cetera. And they were a great program. They've won like eight of 10 national titles. That's something ridiculous. Justin Fields had some of those, but Justin Fields also saw the pocket collapsing and would take off at times. Um, I don't think he rushed to it. Like the first read's not there, then he ran. Um, it was a much more patient. Um, Trey Lance didn't do that as much. So I think I might have a little bit more hope for rushing yardage from Justin Fields than I would for Trey Lance, um, which I don't know how high that would be. Um, I don't think we're ever going to project someone to be like Lamar Jackson and be no, right. in and design, but I think somewhere between four and 600 yards, I think that could happen for him. Oh, wow. That's that, that would be great in terms of his floor. Um, for fantasy, at least. Yeah, I, I have numbers, but it doesn't really matter. I think he's going to be more of a rushing quarterback than, you know, half of the league. I don't have him projected up there with Hertz or with uh, Lamar Jackson, like you said, but he's going to run a little bit more than most. And that's honestly always good. Right now, he's like quarterback 24 overall for the 2020 season for fantasy bros. I have him somewhere around there as well. Um, are you? Is he going to be a great value this year? I mean... It, Ultimately, he's a rookie, so if we get anything out of him, we'll be pretty happy, <laughs> especially in Dynasty. But do you think 25 is too low, even for a rookie, or too high? Um, I think that he's not going to start right away. I think that they're oh, going to okay. at least give Andy Dalton at least the first, my guess is three weeks. Um, because after three weeks, we're going to have a really good idea of what Chicago is like, whether if their season's going to be, you know... Right good or bad now they have a tough schedule that, that's part of this that i think people need to to keep in mind they have one of the tougher schedules in the league their offensive line just got rebuilt so we're trying to figure out what's going to happen with um you know how <laughs> how is it going to look They're, they went younger uh right. on the offensive line getting rid of both tackles um but i think after you know you get about three games in he's going to get his feet wet and i think he's going to go he's not going to wait out the whole season just like they talk about with patrick mahomes because Matt Nagy was in Kansas City for Mahomes' rookie year, but they had Alex Smith, and they were a playoff team. And, yeah, Chicago made the playoffs last year. I, I'm not sure how they're going to do it this year. If they make the playoffs, it's because Aaron Rodgers retired, in my opinion. Um, but I think that, you know, you're looking week four, week five, week six, and I think Justin Fields is the starter. So how does that project in missing three weeks 
to be ahead of a QB 24-25. That's going to be tough, but um, I think if you want to think of how he's going to be in terms of points per game after that, I think he's going to be higher. That's what I would say. Like those expected missing games, that makes sense on a per-game basis. When he does get the start, you think he could be better than that. So we're not expecting Justin Herbert, in other words, but we're not expecting bad by any means. And I think that kind of sums up where most Mm -hmm. people are on fields. Mm -hmm. Um, We've also got the ghost of Jimmy Graham. I don't know if you have any thoughts about him. I just love these old, especially Jimmy Graham-level tight ends that keep sticking around. Mm -hmm. Um, Any any thoughts on (laughs) Mr. Graham? Or is it called commit? To be fair, he was pretty... He didn't do well as a rookie, but for a rookie behind Jimmy Graham on a struggling offense, he got a larger share of the targets than I would expect, for example. Did you see anything mm-hmm. in particular on Cole Commit? He didn't play a lot, so maybe you didn't get it a big enough sample size. But mm-hmm. well, there, there was a shift. I mean, the first half of the year, Chicago really utilized Jimmy Graham in the red zone. They matchups, fades. He would box guys out. I mean, he's got to, I mean, he used to be athletic, and it's really sad what we see of Jimmy Graham now. But now he just is it he, is it sad to watch because he always looks they all look good to me so I have no idea yeah <laughs> like he was, still I mean, looks good to me <laughs> I mean he, he was an athletic freak I mean early that's on fair. And that's, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's it's like looking at Frank Gore now remember what Frank Gore used to be it was amazing you know yeah. but um but after about the midpoint in the season when when Chicago started to run the ball more they changed their offense they had a different offensive coordinator at the time with Bill Lazor taking over play calling duties uh, Cole Komet. I think he played around 60-70% of the snaps towards the end of the year, which he did not do in the beginning of the year. Jimmy Graham's numbers were less. Cole Komet's numbers went up. So I think that there could be a changing of the guard. I know people are a little bit worried about Cole Komet, but they need to look at the second part of the season, Cole Komet, which showed potential. He broke tackles. He made good catches in contested areas. I think that Cole Komet is a pretty good sleeper um, in Dynasty for sure because when you look at this – when you look at this, Justin Fields has Allen Robinson, who I'm hoping they will resign. It's still possible they may not. They have Darnell Mooney. They have the ghost of Anthony Miller, who I liked out of college, but has shown nothing. Yeah, they I have, mean, he's been co-opted. Unfortunately, I liked him coming out right. as well, but Donald right. Mooney did it and he didn't. But yeah, sorry, right. Karen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, they have, they have, and people forget this. Justin Fields has a connection. He has thrown a touchdown to Riley Ridley. Who is still on the team? <laughs> Do you and still think Georgia. that's going to happen? Right. No, it's not going to happen. But yeah, you know, and okay. they signed a couple of guys. But when you want to look in dynasty, the guys that you need to get out of this offense right now to to increase value and whether you ship them off later or whatever is Darnell Mooney because he likes to take deep shots and Cole Komet because when you want to look at tight ends you want on your team, it's because they're going to get targets and there's no other good guys on the team. And Allen Robinson, if he leaves. There's so many targets there that someone's got to get, and Cole Komet and Mooney could get them. Um, I was going to ask you about that plethora. I mean, about three to four teams a year have two top 24 wide receivers. And if you just plant tight end in there as well, there are actually a few more teams, and I think most people expect to have multiple fantasy-relevant players. It starts making sense when you think about the number of teams that don't have fantasy-relevant players that we don't want to roster year over year. Um, And, you know, there is... There is uncertainty in the Bears and that we don't know, like you said, when Fields is going to take over or how good he's going to be when he does. But that means there's possibility for upside in my mind. And I like Fields. I thought he's a very decent prospect. He went in the first round, at least. Like you said, he's got Alan Robinson, which is a feather in anyone's cap. I think Mooney showed well. And so with all this stuff, 
I start wondering, I don't know if Mooney can grow any further. He got a 16% target share last year, I want to say, which is really high for a fourth-round player, and he did well on it. But I start to wonder if, like, tight ends typically break out in their second year. And so Cole Commit could at least have streaming upside, which I don't think is mentioned too much this year. But do you think there's a another fantasy-relevant asset on this team outside of Robinson and Fields and David Montgomery is essentially what I'm asking. Just grouping all those second options together, which one do you think is going to be the best um, roster-worthy player in 2021? Man, I mean, uh, I mean, if you want complete dart throw, um, potential guy? Kind of. Yeah. Like, it's a dart throw, but it's something you almost expect if if it goes the way you think it is. Like, I really think... If Fields is as good or capable as I think he is, and he starts early enough, and Col- um, Commit is able to take over the tight end role, which is mm-hmm. sad for me as a Jimmy Graham truther, like he could really have, you know, five weeks where he's a top 12 tight end. And right now, you definitely get that at significant value. Like, um, so yeah, it's deep. But at the same time, I kind of expect it, unless we, and we're probably going to get something drastically wrong about the offense. Mm. Yeah, no, and, and the other thing to think about with the offense too, and um, this is, leads it a little bit into the David Montgomery thing, is is one is we don't know what this offense is like from what Matt Nagy wants. Matt Nagy inherited yeah. Mitchell Trubisky. It's clear it didn't work out, didn't really love him. He tried. It didn't work. And here's some interesting uh, stats. So, you know, it wasn't going well last year. Chicago lost six games in a row, and they still made the playoffs. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But from weeks 12 to 17, Matt Nagy did not call plays. It was Bill Lazor. So when we want to look, talk about David Montgomery, who people are all hyped about, okay, here's a stat for you. So from t- in 2019, um, David Montgomery's rookie year, he was RB24. From re- weeks 1 to 11, he was RB21 when Matt Nagy called the plays. From weeks 12 to 17, when Bill Lazor called the plays, he was RB2. And I know people talk about easy schedule. Yeah, a lot of things went into that, but a different play caller. Now, who's calling the plays in 2021? Matt Nagy. So that's something to think about. And also, I mean, there was no Tariq Cohen, Damian Williams, you know. So he got all the touches besides Cordell Patterson, which was a terrible experiment. Although I, I, I heart. Cordell Patterson, so much coming out. I love him out of Tennessee. <laughs> so, so we don't really know what Matt Nagy's offense looks like, but I don't think it's designed around a huge running game. I think he likes to throw. So I think, I mean, the upside is there for Kement, for Darna Mooney. If you want a complete best ball, dart throw, last pick of SFBX, <laughs> or, you know, whatever, you know. Um, mm-hmm. How about Demir Bird? Chicago signed. He okay. put up. Some decent numbers, not great, decent numbers, I said. And he's the third, fourth best receiver on that team. No one's talking about it, but they signed him. That's interesting. I was wondering if you had any opinion on Daz Newsom, a new incoming rookie, which is where people usually get more excited about, even in these deep dart throws. But you more go to the veteran who's shown an ability to, you know, at least be a usable part of an offense. Well, and and here's another reason why Daz Newsom broke his collarbone. Uh, oh, I didn't during, even know. <laughs> during OTAs. Yep, he, oh, broke, wow. he wow. broke his clavicle. So he's going to have some recovery. It's going to go into training camp. And for a late round pick, I think he would need a full uh, full training camp to maybe spark something. So I'm going to put my odds more in the veterans just based on that. Would you like 
I, randomly, I literally didn't know that injury had happened, but would you mm -hmm. like Daz Newsome outside of that? Do you think, you know, as this deep type of prospect? I mean, everyone's good as a deep prospect. Deep, but... Right. Right. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, I like him as a prospect in, in Dynasty because I think Anthony Miller's last season is this year in Chicago. I think Riley Ridley is just not that great at football. Um, <laughs> and I mean, you know, they have Marquise Goodwin and Javon Wims and Demir Bird, as I said, but I don't think they're going to last beyond this year. So if you want a Dynasty stash, I think Daz Newsom has a little bit of life. Yes. I'm not overly interested in him or anything. I actually, I, he's not someone on my name. It's just because we're talking about Chicago and he's kind of the new guy in the offense um, outside of Donald Mooney. Um, and I guess we should hone in on Mooney here because I was really impressed last year. I, he was, you know, one of those later round picks, which are just kind of my guys. Oh, I want to ask you about splits as well. But um, do you, and I said, I don't think he can grow much further in the offense, especially with the rookie QB coming in. He had like 16, 70% of target share last year, um, which is really good for a rookie, to be honest, especially from the fourth round. Um, but do you think last, I don't know, watching, do you think it was a product of Anthony Miller struggling or the quarterback situation? And so Donald Mooney was an effective relief valve. Was there some reason other than Donald Mooney is better than most as a rookie? And, no, I, and therefore, you'd expect him to grow more. I think I expect him to grow more. I think he's a really good football player. Um, okay. He's a good route runner. And and most of the time with these speed guys, you're like, okay, they they have a speed, but what else? They don't have anything else, you know? Right, but right, he, right. But he sacrifices his body, and that's why he got hurt late in the season. But he sacrifices his body. He makes guys miss. He can win at the catch point. He's a threat after the reception. All the things that you really want – and again, he's not going to be a wide receiver one. Okay. Not a wide receiver one, but <laughs> you said, it. but in, in a perfect scenario, Justin Fields becomes this next to Sean Watson type guy. Darnell Mooney is a great piece to have on your team because he could, he could be, could be a low end wide receiver too. If all the chips go well. Yeah. Nice. Um, I, I, Justin Fields would probably be a really big if he was a quarterback last year. He'd be a big rookie hit. If he, I think if he was sustaining two top twenty-four wide receivers, but I do think Donald Mooney's going to have good games. I mean, like you say, I was really impressed last year mm -hmm. as a fourth-round pick to walk into that level of volume, no matter what team it is. It does say right. something about your ability. Right. I, I think he was a fifth-round pick, um, but um, was he? I, I That's even was. deeper. I like that even right. better. What right. I can't, I don't know who's injured. <laughs> I don't know where anyone's drafted. Right. I'm struggling. <laughs> no, no, no. But um, but the other thing with Mooney is this: is people will watch, and there are multiple throws, and they're like, "Man, Foles or Trubisky missed him." There were a couple of big plays that he was open, but he ran. He didn't run the routes correctly, so he has some uh, growing to do still, you know. And 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 if he does in some of those moments, there could be some bigger plays. So yeah, I'm hopeful for him. And plus, we always see. The biggest jump for players in the NFL is from rookie year to second year. So if you want to take a shot on a guy, go do it going into their second year. Now, that might not be for fantasy, but that is definitely for NFL. So, And plus, there's no, nobody I, else. Who else think, is going to be there? I think that matches up for fantasy, too. Like the most common breakout year for wide receivers, running backs. Um, running backs tends to, like it's an even split between the first and the second year. But tight ends and wide receivers both break out most commonly in their second year. And so... Okay. Which is interesting because I know uh, you're a fantasy player as well as a football analyst. How how do you go about that? Like I've heard, and both make sense to me, either if a player doesn't break out their first year, just sell them no matter what because 
and you can recycle that value and try for the next guy who does well in year one. And that way you're always kind of insulated from those bursts like the JJ Sega white sides of the world instead of continually hoping. On the other hand, that second year is so important. Like you said, the biggest NFL jump, like which side of the fence, or is there something you use to try to decide whether you're going to target that second year player or get out outside of being Justin Jefferson? <laughs> right. Ah, right. Yeah. Uh, well, like someone, someone I that comes to mind with that would be Denzel Mims. I was a big Denzel Mims fan coming out of Baylor. Right. Me too. I think he's like my wide receiver for, he flashed a little bit, was banged up a little bit rookie year. New coach comes in, brings in my boy, Corey Davis, your boy, Corey Davis. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, also gets Elijah Moore, who I love a lot too. So, so now it's really conflicting what's going to happen there, but he's a value. Like he's so cheap. I would sell if the value was maybe equal and be like, well, we'll just even get again. But I think you buy when they're going to be cheap. I think Cole Komet right now is cheap. I think Denzel Mims is cheap. I think Darnell Mooney probably isn't that expensive. And that's when I'll chase to see what happens that second year. Um, so I guess the next question is what is cheap for Donald Mooney specifically? Because I would spend a second round pick on him without really thinking. The, the number of players that don't break out when we spend second round picks on them, I would easily go in on someone who did that well their rookie year. Um, but I don't – would you trade him away for a second round pick? I don't know the people in my leagues would either. <laughs> I, I, would, I would not because the 2022 class is just not great in my opinion. So I would. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a couple of guys at the top, but man, I, there, I mean, receiver wise, a bunch of guys are torn ACLs, haven't broken out. Um, it's, it's just not something I'm looking forward to. So if it's a low end first or a second, I'm selling all day right now. It quickly becomes a value conversation, no matter who you talk to, whether they watch tape or they like numbers. It's like, well, what's the price, you know? Uh-huh. Um, speaking of which, again, where I'm, I just play fantasy football. I don't know much about NFL. I certainly don't know anything about playing football. Um, I don't know about teams and the, just sitting here listening to you talk about the Bears. Like, what do you want, especially as, you know, uh, a fan of the team what do you think the team needs to improve hopefully justin fields is it at quarterback let's say that and mm-hmm. um, you're not a big fan of david montgomery but i'm assuming you don't think they need a saquon barkley to be a playoff contender or whatever what what do you think's a big need because i'm assuming it's an idp type player that i have no idea about <laughs> <laughs> no I, I i think their biggest issue right now is their offensive line um pff oh, yes. PFF just came out with their their rankings, and they ranked Chicago, I think, 28th or 29th going into the season. And honestly, it's not that unfair. I mean, they have two solid guys in the middle, Cody Whitehair and James Daniel. James Daniels got hurt week mm. three, and it was a muddled mess in the middle. They got rid of both tackles. They drafted Tevin Jenkins in round two, who I want them to take in round one. That's a great pick, but he's a rookie. Hopefully he makes right, it. Right. And, then, and then right tackle is a... I don't know. So, you know, it's that that's a that's a tough thing. So if that offensive line can gel together and they want to look at a team that's done well in the division for years is Green Bay. Green Bay has had a great offensive line year in and year out for probably the last five years. And that's a difference maker. That that's a when your running back isn't perfect, when your quarterback isn't perfect, when your weapons aren't perfect, you can rely on having more time and more holes based on your offensive line. And that's Chicago's biggest thing. They've always had the defense. We know that. They haven't had the line. Speaking of which, Nick, you're not really associated with as many things as you have done before, but you're still on the DTC podcast, right? 
Is there anywhere else people can find you or talk to you about how to or what you see on the film from doing the work? Yeah, yeah. The 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 my most enjoyable thing, and, and I think that's really important, Peter, is I've been trying to do each of the last probably five years, I do something that I'm passionate about. If I don't have passion for it, I get it out. But if I get passion and I start doing more of it, I've been doing a ton of one-on-one consulting with people, talking oh, to them like this, whether it's video on the phone, a lot of emails. They want to help with their leagues. They want to help with whatever. And it just gives me joy because I, I I want to see the fruits of my labor instead of, you know, I just put this article out there and hopefully people read it <laughs> right. and you don't know. Fair yeah, enough. So- no, so if people are people if people are interested, then just you know hit me up on Twitter or my emails in my my profile and just hit me up if you're interested. So you're doing personal consulting. You're not like working for what is it, the fantasy football there's a there's a I think there's a company that does that. Like J um C D Carter's got one, I think. They asked me to work with them once in a while, but you just personally are mm-hmm. being reached yeah. out to by people and just yep. getting involved. Yeah. That's neat. Um, is that specifically for Dynasty or best ball or all of it or just it, whatever football-related thing you want to learn about? Yeah, it, it's honestly whatever people have, you know, want questions on, uh, I'm willing to help them with. I mean, I had a, I had a person, uh, they, you know, they already had their drafts and like, hey, I just want an eval of my team and, and how it is. And I said, I, 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 I could, didn't have access. I'm like, hey, just give me your, your username and your password. And he's like, okay, <laughs> don't make any trades. So we did it. And then I, I looked through all of the teams and I came back. I'm like, hey, okay, so here's, you know, I, league structure, scoring. Here's how I evaluate your team. And then here's with this team, I might try and see if you can't get this trade because they need this. Like I just evaluated every team and where I think he could get some trades. Mm-hmm. And because when you have a different perspective, and again, we talked about the bias. I don't have the bias of like loving his players. That's, <laughs> that's like, fair. This yeah. is how I see it. And so it's been, it's been really helpful and, uh, and it's been fun for me. So that's a enjoyable, you know, to, to do in life. No, that's, that's a really interesting thing that's cropped up lately. Cause some, so much of the advice of the articles we write have to just be on average, like in your league, the guy who has Donald Mooney might value him as a third round pick. I don't know. Go mm-hmm. look at their team, go send them an email, go look at where they drafted them. But we can't do that for everyone individually when we're writing articles or posting on Twitter or whatever it may be. And so those consulting services, like it sounds ridiculous to consult on fantasy football, but it's not. If we enjoy something, like just having someone to personally go through it, mm-hmm. um, it, it's really useful and really interesting. I mean, it's essentially what we're doing with all our friends. But if our friends are in our leagues, who do we ask now? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it, exactly. it's, it, it's a pretty neat thing. Um, so I appreciate you doing that. I didn't know you were just doing it personally. You mentioned it. I've seen you mention it before, and that's pretty mm-hmm. neat as well. Um, instead of having a middleman. So, uh, yeah, that's neat. Um, is there anything else you want to talk about or work you're doing lately that you're about to put out that you want people to know about or anything like that? Uh, no, I, I guess the only other thing that I, I've, I've been doing lately, Peter, is I, as I, I do life coaching, which I know people are like, what is that? Which fits I mean, in well, I guess, with right, <laughs> right consulting. Sense. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm a counselor. I mean, that's what I do every day. That's my job. So I basically take my counseling skills and what people need help with in life. And I just help them along, whether it's relationships or job or improvement, whatever it is, I just help them out with it. But that, that gives, again, that gives me enjoyment. So I want to do it. So yeah, that's probably the only thing I'm working on in terms of like articles, the Devi report, which I did for five or six years and the graduates, I just, I, I let it go because uh, to me, it was, it was more labor than love. And, and when you have that going on in life, you need to let it go. 
Before I get you out of here, I did just want to, I wanted to ask you a question and I forgot and remembered it just now while you were talking. So um, you were mentioning not to, sorry, throw you off balance there because we're going back a bit, but you mentioned coaching and the differences between play calling between the different OCs. Mm-hmm. Um, now, from a statistical standpoint, I am infamous. I like to think I'm infamous. Pro- probably no one knows, but I really hate splits. I really hate breaking it down to such a small sample and saying, therefore, this will go on forever if if that's the situation. But when you're watching film, I think you have a more personal relationship to how well that was working and or what that might do for the future. It's like with statistics, you project it out. But if you're watching it, it's not so much you think it's going to be exactly that way. It just you just think it's going to lean more that way. And so when you see offensive different offensive coordinators take over throughout a single season, um, do you have a way of um, balancing the effect you see or how likely you think that effect is going to maintain when you have a whole new season um, facing you like 2021? Is that um, question clear? No, it, it, <laughs> it is. It is. And it, it's, it's complex. And I think it's really difficult. Um, and I would say more so. So if, if all of the pieces were the same mm-hmm. for 2021, then I think, yeah, then I think it's something you analyze a little bit more because it's like, okay, so, and really it's just preferences, you know, because we talked about biases and with play calling, it's something different. So if it's, you know, second and short, some coordinators are conservative and they're like, let's just get that first down and don't worry about it. And some are like, Hey, I want to take that shot. And it's aggressiveness. It's, you know, what, however they want to motion more, you know, to, late in the season, Chicago started doing a lot more outside zone with that, with that tight end coming behind to, to sift block or leak mm-hmm. in the flat, which we see all the time with green Bay and the right, Rams right. and the 49ers. So then Chicago started doing it. Copycat league, right? Now, yeah, very much. But early in the season, they weren't doing that. So, so is that going to affect Cole Komet? So you have to think about all that. But I think with Chicago, we can't do that because there's been so much change at offensive right. line. I mean, in offensive line, the tackles are going to be new, but also James Daniels back, who's awesome beginning of the year. I think he's the best offensive lineman they have. And then also Justin Fields is there now, which I think changes everything. They could be going to more quarterback um, designed runs even, which they didn't have before. So I think it, it's going to be hard to to nail down splits. It's nice to know you feel kind of the same about them, even though you're paying attention to it, because I think the same thing. It's like I've seen this offensive coordinator and some of these players against a few defenses. But what if there's a different defense? And what if there is two different players? Or what if, you know, it's raining that day? When you have such a small example of something, it's really hard to go all in on it at least. Mm-hmm. And so it's complex. And um, so well, I appreciate and, you asking. Well, and I think part of that too is, is, is Peter, I've been an offensive coordinator. And I, and I've, and I've done it and I know well, that's why I'm asking. I thought it was it, an interesting perspective from you. Yeah. Like, like, I mean, I know there's, there's games when, when, in, you know, every week you have, Hey, here's my install, here's my game plan. And then you call your place. And there's games when I've made bad play calls. I've, I've put too much on my players when I probably should have not put so much complex stuff in. Right. And it's, it's my fault. Now, again, are you going to know that in the NFL when you're just watching the, the box score and you're like, oh man, this player messed up. That could be on the coach. Like, like <laughs> people don't know all of that stuff. So honestly, I think, as you said, the more you dive in, the less you know. I was going to say, um, first, I want to know where you're an offensive coordinator, just to 
because I'm interested now. But also, um, yeah, it's something I've heard people say about Tate before. You can watch as much of it as you want, but you don't know what was meant to happen. Like, there could have been an entirely different play call and someone messed it up, but you don't know that, so you see a different thing. Mm-hmm. Is that a strong problem when evaluating, um, you know, especially between different offensive coordinators? Yes, yes, that is a thing. And there's also something called an MA, which is a missed assignment that is huge, and that's in terms of offense or defense, where... It could be an interception, but the wide receiver broke the route off two yards short, so it steals over his head. And they're like, "Oh, that was a terrible throw by the quarterback." And you're like, "Actually, it was on the receiver." But then <laughs> that after wasn't the game, his fault, right. yeah, but after the game, you, the quarterback doesn't throw his receiver underneath the bus. The coach doesn't either, so they don't know about behind closed doors. You're like, "Hey, you're an idiot!" Like, what were you doing? You know? And so <laughs> that that happens. And and you're right. We we don't know. We have to make a lot of guesses because in the NFL now, there's a lot of adjustments and and mm. kind of on-the-fly reads where receivers will throttle down or they'll sell down in the zone or they'll break a certain way based on the coverage. And so they, in real time, have to be making these reads and the quarterbacks have to see their read and then make the correct throw. And sometimes it's all not correct. And so it might look like a new play, even if it's one different route, but it's the same concept. And so, yeah, it can be it can get really complex, especially at that level. Again, I have the blue question, but do you think there's a player in the NFL that's either – the most overrated or the most underrated because of those type of adjustments that don't show up in numbers and don't show up even when you're watching the film, uh, unless you really get granular, I'd imagine, that you think they have done a lot better than they should have because they've suffered a lot from these type of adjustments that we don't know about, um, or, the, or, or the reverse. Is there anyone that sticks out? I, I uh, <laughs> This is going to be hate. I think I think Devontae Adams has... Really? Has benefited so much from option routes and just i see some bad coverage sometimes where and again part of that's good scheme where i see him motioning so then he gets no press coverage he gets a free Mm -hmm. release off the line of scrimmage and there's a couple of vertical clear outs and then he just sits underneath it happened in nfc championship or yeah nfc championship game this last year i I was trying to remember if they made it that far um (laughs) And and also he's benefited from Rodgers. I think he's a a good receiver. Don't get me wrong, but I don't. Oh, think no, he's, no one. Th- I don't no one think th- he's, no one's going to call him bad at this point. Yeah, but it's he's not bad. But I think people put him up there in like this like epic category. But I mean, he has such. And again, he's in these areas where if he can have a two way go, Peters, when you can go left or right, mm-hmm. either way. You know, when you play outside and you're the X receiver and you're whatever, you're DK Metcalf. You're not in the slot. You're probably outside. <laughs> You, you're, you're probably going to come inside or go vertical. But when you play on the inside, you can play so many games. Keenan Allen can do the same thing. And I think he's a really good route runner. But I think sometimes people just overrate and they're like, wow, he's just so phenomenal. It's like, man, he's matched up on a linebacker. He should win that route. You know what I mean? All right. Well, I appreciate you sticking around for that last what turned out to be series of questions. Um, and <laughs> coming fun. on to talk to me, um, I really appreciate it. We've never gotten to really talk uh I don't even think on the same podcast with different people. So I really appreciate you jumping on with me, Nick. I appreciate it. Yeah. It's um, been, a, been a lot of years and we haven't, haven't done that. So thanks for having no, me. No, no. We mostly just argue about uh, individual rookie prospects. That's normally when we came <laughs> on. To, <laughs> we, we bumped into each other. But, so but, we, but we unite over Corey Davis and that's, that, that solves yeah. everything. That's the wonderful thing about fantasy, right? There's always a player you both like eventually <laughs> that you can it both truthful. for. Yeah. Um, again, I really appreciate it, Nick. Um, I really enjoyed talking to you. Sorry it's taken this long for us to actually get to chat. No, so. no. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it, Peter. Yeah. 
Chicken or crow, chicken or crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfold, so. Jake on the table and Nate on the place, so. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical. Picking my nose, don't really know if I like that. Picking their brains, got their lanes, but I like that. Picking these guys, all of these times, all of these nice stats. Picking apart, the film is an art, always a fight back and forth. There is no order, they disorder more and more because the players ain't no older. They some hoarders or some mortars, dropping bombs without no borders. They got that I like mortar, peak grinding numbers like molars. I don't know anymore, I am at a crossroads. Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfold, so. Jake on the table and they on the place, though. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical. Chicken or crow, chicken or crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, play run fold, so. Jake on the table and they on the place, though. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical.